Today we're looking at what I'm calling Simeon's song. When Jesus was eight days old, Mary and Joseph, Joseph his stepfather, God through the Holy Spirit, the real father, did what every good Jewish family would do. They took their son, their firstborn, uh, to be circumcised, eight days old, and was given the name Jesus, eight days old. That's the name that they were told to name this little one. Now, 40 days after birth, again, Joseph and Mary do what good Hebrew Jewish parents did. They brought their son to the temple for this additional sense of ceremonial cleansing for the mother. There were strict instructions for the mother when she gave birth to a boy, male child, purification, if it's a female, different days, 60 days, you come, you go through this cleansing ceremony, dedication, and they do this, they come. And the parents are to bring either a a lamb, if they can afford it, or dove, or pigeons, as part of the sacrifice, the ceremonies. The Jewish parents were to do this for the firstborn male of their family. It goes back to their exodus. It goes back to when God took Israel, his family, out of Egypt, out of the slavery, where God punished the Egyptians for the cruelty the Egyptians were inflicting on God's people. God took the oldest Egyptians of the family by death, but he protected the Jewish firstborn if they placed blood over the doorframe of their home. Part of the dedication. So Joseph, Mary, bring their firstborn son to dedicate him, and they're in the temple. We don't know his age, But Simeon, probably older if not very old, daily would come to the temple. The Holy Spirit had told this gentleman, Simeon, 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 you'll not die until you have actually seen the promised Messiah, the promised Savior, the promised Lord. Now, how God told Simeon this, we don't know. Was it through a vision or a dream? Did he speak audible? We don't know. But the Holy Spirit had told Simeon, you'll remain alive until you see the promised one. Can you imagine what it was like for Simeon? He probably awakened each day wondering, Lord, is today the day? You tell me I'm going to see him. Is today the day? He probably looked at people wondering, this particular day when Joseph and Mary brought their 40-day-old child, the Holy Spirit let Simeon know, 
This is the one you've been waiting for. This is the one the whole world has been waiting. Not only the Jews, but the non-Jews, the Gentile. He's here. And Simeon picks him up and holds him in his arm and gives us this great praise, this doxology that begins in the NIV translation, Sovereign Lord, the one you have promised is here. Sovereign Lord. So what is the focus here? In these verses, these truths that are before us, it's this. Simeon's song of Advent, I'm calling resting in the Lord's sovereignty. Resting in the Lord's sovereignty. Look at it in this way. Rest in the Lord's sovereignty through Christ for peace in life and death. That's what God is saying to his people. Rest. Rest in his sovereignty in life and in death. See, after Simeon saw, after he was holding the Savior, he's holding the one who created this world. Colossians 1 tells us, Christ created this world. He's holding God-man in his arms. He says in this passage, Lord, I'm ready to die. I'm ready. I'm at peace with you. So rest in God's sovereignty through Christ for peace. Look at verse 29 through 32. Look at verse 29 through 32. This is the way Simeon responds. Lord, sovereign Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. You're letting him depart in peace. He has lived through the promised one, experiencing peace. And now... He says, I'm ready to die with that same peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. There is salvation in this child I am holding. The only salvation that can come from you to people is through this child. Your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon is described in this passage with three important words. He's described as a man who was righteous, devout, and very patient. That's the word I'm using, patient. First, he's described as righteous. Simeon did not make himself righteous. What does righteous mean? Being right with God. He did not make himself right with God, and we cannot make ourselves right with God. We cannot make ourselves righteous, nor holy, nor acceptable. No, 
it's the child, it's the life, it's the death, it's the resurrection of Christ. His life, His perfection, His righteousness given to us. How are you made right with God? Through Christ. How are you accepted by God? Only through Christ. How are you adopted into the family where you become a daughter and a son of God? It's only through Christ. Any other way is what is called self-righteous. And no one makes it into the family by being self-righteous. We're only right with God through Christ's life. Resurrection. As you turn from your sin, from going your own way, to go the way of Christ, that's how we're made righteous. Secondly, he's described as devout. Pastor Richard Smith, who has been here a number of times, one of our good preacher friends from Spartanburg, is preaching this same passage today to his people in Spartanburg. And Richard's been a great help to me as I've prepared for today. The word devout means he was all in. He was all in to what Christ intended to do to him, for him, and through him. That's how Simeon was known. He was known as a man who was righteous and devout. He was all in to whatever God intended. How is it, family, with you? How is it with me? I struggle. Do you struggle? I do. All in. But then he was a man of great patience. The Holy Spirit allowed him to be patient. We don't work that up. Why? Because it says he waited. He was waiting. He was waiting. He was waiting for the promised one. A man of phenomenal patience by the Holy Spirit. That's another one of my failures and sins. I'm so impatient. But that's how he is known. Sovereign Lord. What does sovereign mean? What, we talk about the sovereignty of God, but what is that? Let's look at three words I'm using to describe God's sovereignty. The first is omniscient. Omniscient. God in his sovereignty is omniscient. He knows everything. Joy in that. Jesus Christ, sovereign Lord, is omniscient. He knows everything from beginning to end, not only in your life, but in all of the world. Rest in this. He knows. And his knowledge is good, even as you go through disappointments and pain and heartache. Sovereign Lord, you're omniscient. You know all. He knows. He knows what's ahead. Secondly, omnipotent. God in his sovereign is omnipotent. That means all-powerful. In his strength, 
in his goodness, he's omnipotent. He can make the impossible possible. He can turn the course of the river. He directs the heart of the king. Come, come, rest, rest in the sovereign Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly and lastly, his sovereignty means he's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. To the highest of the heavens, to the deepest of the sea, to the... He's there. There's no place nor experience that you can go of which he is not there with you. He's sovereign. And God's sovereignty does what? Provides peace through Jesus Christ. Remember when that angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her she was the one chosen in all the world to give birth to Christ? Her magnificat, her praise, her thanksgiving. Simeon says to Mary, her son's 40 days old. Mary, your joy is going to turn to sorrow. A sword will pierce your heart, Mary. Mary was about to need throughout Christ's life to know that Christ, the sovereign Lord, was present, omnipotent, all-knowing, always with her. Think of what this young mother was about to experience. First, before her baby was two years old, King Herod had heard this king had been born, which to him threatened his kingship. And what does he do? He appoints these astronomers Go find this child who's been born, king of the Jews. Go find him. Come back and tell me where he is so I can come and worship him. King Herod did not want to worship him. He wanted to what? Kill him. He was a threat. Think what it was like. Knowing the king wants to kill your baby. Jesus, one of his very first sermons was so effective and powerful. Those who did not like him there in Nazareth, what did they want to do to him? Push him off the cliff. Kill him. Parent, what's it like knowing they want to kill your infant? They want to kill your son. Remember, after Christ's birth, Joseph, Mary, lived together in a marital relationship and they had children. And the Bible tells us that Jesus' brothers heard the claims he was making about himself and thought he was insane. That's what the Bible says. This brother of ours He's insane, the things he's saying. What was it like? What was it like for Mary to hear her children saying these things about her oldest son? 
Mary, a sword is going to pierce your heart. What was that like? When the soldiers came and arrested him, mocking him, beating him. What was it like for her to watch them, the scourging that could lead to death itself, whipping him, the torture? Some prisoners could just die through the torture, and then certainly she saw or knew that those soldiers took him and nailed him to that cross. Watching her son, that thorn of crowns, the spear into his side. She's watching her son executed. Mary, he's the sovereign Lord. He knows. He's with you. He's in control, Mary. Just wait. Placed in that grave. Resurrected. The scriptures tell us that when Christ made his appearances to those after his resurrection, it begins saying, and they were there, the ladies were there, and Mary, Christ's mother, was, saw him resurrected. What difference does Christ make? I like what our catechism says. A catechism is question and answer, question and answer, based on the summary of Scripture. Just real quick, look at the benefits. Look at what Christ's life, death, and resurrection can mean in this life. In this life, what you're experiencing, look. 36, what benefits which in this life accompany or flow from being righteous by Christ? Look, the benefits that flow from being saved, justified, adopted, you can be assured of God's love. You can have peace of conscience regardless of your sins of the past of which you are such ashamed. You can have peace in your conscience because of Christ. You can have joy in the Holy Spirit. The old one says the Holy Ghost. An increase of grace because of Christ, a growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ and a perseverance to the end of your life, all because of Christ. What difference is he making in your life today? What about in the future? Real quick, look, I love this. What about at death? Your soul at death can made, be made perfect in holiness at your death. Perfect in holiness. At the time of death, if you're repenting of your sin... If you're believing only in Christ, you will immediately, immediately pass into his presence. Your body, still united with Christ, will remain in the grave until the resurrection. What difference does Christ's birth, 
life, death, and resurrection make. Now. And at death. One of my favorite hymns is It Is Well With My Soul. I remind you of the context of this hymn. We need to see its context to understand what he's about to say. This gentleman, his wife, they had some daughters, but they had a son. And the son, we, they thought it was just a minor illness turned into a death. Parents losing their only child. And then the father, having lost his child, was a successful businessman in the Chicago area and wanted to use property and income to benefit others. Wonderful Christian gentleman. And in a horrific fire, property was lost. No insurance in his day. Lost all that income. Has lost a son, and now significant income through a fire. God, are you sovereign? Is this fire of you? Is the death of our only son? Is this of you? He and his wife and now their daughters wanted to go on a vacation. He was busy at work, so he puts his wife and daughters on a ship to go to England. The ship had a tragic accident. Many were killed. He received a telegram. Two words from his wife. Safe, alone. She was safe. The daughters died in the ship's accident. As quick as he could, he made arrangements to go to board a ship to go meet his wife, who was alone. He had told the captain or someone on the ship, when we get to the place where we think the ship went down and my daughters died, buried at sea, will you awaken me? Will you you let me know? Yes, they did. And when they got to the vicinity of where the accident occurred, the Holy Spirit allowed him to write these words. Look at them. Look at these words. When peace, like a river, attends my way, when sorrows, he's grieving, sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever you allow because you're sovereign, you've taught me to say, It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. That's the work of Christ. That's the reason he came. A reason he came as his child. To show he's sovereign in life as well as in death. Yes, Satan can buffet and trials will come. 
Let this blessed assurance control. Christ has regarded my helpless estate and shed his own blood for my soul. What is he saying? Because of Christ, rest in his sovereignty. Rest in the sovereignty of Christ that you may have peace in life, in death. How do we get this assurance? How do we experience this rest? We do it through Christ. Turning from yourself. Turning to him daily. We do it through the scriptures. This kind of rest comes by faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You've got to be in the word. Not only you, but in community, in family. You need a church family. You need a family. It's the way God's created us. So he does it through his word. He does it through Christ. He ministers to you through family. Through community, not only your birth family, but the spiritual family. May you rest in Christ's sovereignty in your life and in death, in the joys and the uncertainties. In the heartaches, life and death. Oh, Father, thank you for not sparing your own son, but giving him up for your own. And thank you that you will, along with him, graciously provide for every need. Graciously. Will you prove this? Giving peace in life, peace in death. From the oldest to the youngest, to family, to neighbors, to nations. In the name of Christ, amen.